following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Almighty God. It's your presence we seek. It's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you anoint this broadcast? Would you give me faithful, true words under the anointing of your Spirit? Lord, I love you. I trust you. Mighty God of heaven, you are everything to me. You are my life, my breath, my healing. You are my sanctification. You are my healing. Lord, you are everything to me. You are the bread of life. You are the drink. You are life. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I want you to know the power and the presence of Jesus in your life. After yesterday's broadcast, I received this text yesterday afternoon. I want to share it with you from one of our listeners. Jesus can't live in you without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John and Peter laid hands on new believers and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The physical body of Christ cannot come live inside of your physical body, nor can we live inside of his physical body. The union comes from the Holy Spirit inside of us. He is the third member of the Trinity. That is what puts us in him and him and us in him. I love the message today. Thank you. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19. I want to share with you today a story. Now, some of you have complained to me, and you've said, Pastor, once you've read a story on the air, don't read it again. People people remember. Well, I hope you do remember this story. And I keep going back to it, and I keep reading it, <clears throat> even as I continue to pray for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus cannot dwell in you without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He can live with you, and if you obey him, you obey his commands, you walk in righteousness, then he will bless you. That's the Old Testament covenant. But the New Testament is dramatically different. The New Testament sees Jesus dwelling in us and us dwelling in Jesus. The New Testament sees the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, all three, dwelling in his people and his people dwelling in him. <clears throat> now, if you want to look up some scriptures, read carefully the whole book of First John. Read carefully John, the 17th chapter. John, the 15th chapter. But today I want to take you back to Reese Howells. The book is Reese Howells, The Intercessor by Norman Grubb. 
This account that I'm going to share with you happened in 1906. He was born in the late 1800s. He became a true follower of Jesus. And then the Welsh revival was going full-blown. And he became very involved in it. I want to read for you the story of the Holy Spirit's coming into him. Now, the reason I want to read this is it may be quite different than anything you have imagined of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in a man or a woman. He was on a train on his way to Lindendrod where there was a conference. A number of the young people had gotten together and they said, let's go to these meetings And so they were all going, and as he was riding in the train, a voice suddenly spoke to him. And the voice said, When you return, you will be a new man. And he protested. He said, I am a new man. No, came the answer, you are a child. You are a child. Many of you listening to this broadcast today, I don't care what your age is, In Christ, you are still a child. You've never grown up. You've never given over to the Holy Spirit and been absolutely made righteous and walked before him blameless. You're still playing with sin and darkness. Holy Spirit said to him, No, you're a child. Well, in the first morning of the conference... And Evan Hopkins spoke, and he began to describe the Holy Spirit as a person, not as an it. A person who had personality, who was every bit as much a person as is Jesus. As this came clear to him, the Holy Spirit suddenly appeared Now, this is very encouraging to me because as I have been waiting on the Holy Spirit's baptism, most of us think that means someone has to come to us and anoint us, lay hands on us. And that is what happened at the church in Ephesus. Paul went and laid hands and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that's not always the way the Holy Spirit operated. He came when he chose to come. The Holy Spirit spoke to Reese and said, The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, How do I put this? As the Savior had a body, so I dwell in the cleansed temple of the believer. I am a person. I am God, and I am come to ask you to give your body to me that I may work through it. I need a body for my temple. And if you want to jot down the scripture, 1 Corinthians 6.19. That's 1 Corinthians 6.19. The Holy Spirit continued, but it must belong to me without reserve. For two persons with different wills can never live in the same body. Pardon me. Will you give me your body? 
Romans 12, the first couple of verses. But if I come in, this is the Holy Spirit again to Reese, I come in as God, and you must go out. Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3. I shall not mix myself with yourself. He made it very plain that he would never share my life. I saw the honor he gave me in offering to indwell me, but there were many things very dear to me, and I knew he wouldn't keep one of them. The change he would make was very clear. It meant every bit of my fallen nature was to go to the cross, and he would bring in his own life and his own nature. It was unconditional surrender. From the meeting, Reese went out into a field where he literally cried his heart out because, as he said, I had received a sentence of death as really as a prisoner before the judge. I'd lived in my body for 26 years. Could I easily give it up? Who could give his life up for another in an hour? Why does a man struggle when death comes if it's easy to die? I knew that the only place fit for the old nature was on the cross. Paul makes that very clear in Romans, the sixth chapter. But once this is done in reality, it is done forever. I could not run into this quickly. Oh, I intended to do it, but oh, the cost. I wept for days. I lost seven pounds in weight just because I saw what he was offering me. How I wished I'd never seen it. One thing he reminded me of was that he'd only come to take what I'd already promised the Savior, not in part, but in whole. Since he died for me, I had died in him, and I knew that the new life was his and not mine. That was very clear in my mind for three years. So he had only come to take what was his own. I saw that only the Holy Spirit in me could live like the Savior. Everything he told me appealed to me. It was only a question of the loss there would be in allowing him to enter. I didn't give my answer in a moment. He didn't want me to. It took me five days to make the decision, days which were spent alone with God. Like Isaiah, I saw the holiness of God. I saw my own corrupt nature. It wasn't sins that I saw, but nature touched by the fall. I was corrupt to the core. I knew I had to be cleansed. I saw there was as much difference between the Holy Spirit and myself is between light and darkness. Not what I want you to see is that Reese, at this young age, has already cut absolutely to the chase. He's not going to spend his life playing games with God. God has come and said, I want your life. I want your body. I want your mind. I want every part of you to be used for the kingdom of God. Are you willing? It's impossible to really belong to Jesus and have him live in us without this decision regarding 
the presence of the Holy Spirit. And quite frankly, I don't mean to be offensive, but quite frankly, the church cannot function as the church without the full baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why right now the National Prayer Chapel has not really gone public. We're waiting as a congregation on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know that when the Holy Spirit comes in power, as he crucifies our natural selves, as he scrubs us out, as he as he calls us to give to him every portion of our heart, the Holy Spirit will come. And he will baptize us with power. It's requiring everything we have to be laid down. I hope you understand. You cannot belong to Jesus, having him dwell inside of you, without this baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is not optional in the scriptures. It's optional in today's church. But most of the church today, I say 95 or 99% of people who belong to a church may have Jesus with them, but Jesus is not in them. And in the end, only those who have the Holy Spirit in them can be saved. We have a church in America today that is filled with pagan people. Intellectual knowledge, social understanding, busy about doing good things for other people often, but no Holy Spirit power and no real holiness. Reese House continues, nothing is more real to me than the process I went through for the whole week. The Holy Spirit went on dealing with me, exposing the root of my nature that was self. And you can only get out of a thing what is in its root. Sin was canceled, and it wasn't sin he was dealing with. It was self, that thing which came from the fall. He was not going to take a superficial surrender. He put his finger on each part of my self-life, and I had to decide in cold blood. He could never take a thing away until I gave my consent. And then the moment I gave it, some purging took place. Look at Isaiah 6, verses 5 through 7, the great call of Isaiah as his sin was purged. And once that work was done, he said, I could never touch that thing again like an alcoholic can never go back and drink that alcohol. They have to be sober the rest of their lives. It was not saying I was purged and the thing still had a hold on me. No, it was a breaking, a breaking done by the Holy Spirit as he took control of my life. Day by day, the dealings went on. He was coming in as God and I had lived as a man And what is permissible to an ordinary man, he told me, will no longer be permissible to you. 
Now, this story begins to identify that very self-nature that had to be replaced. First, there was the love of money. It is the root. The love of money is the root of all evil. The Lord told Reese that he would take out of his nature all taste for money and any ambition for the ownership of money. Reese had to consider carefully what that would mean. He saw that money would be no more to him than it was to John the Baptist or to Jesus. To an extent, this was death within my new birth, but now the Holy Spirit was getting at the very root of my love of money. The dealing on it lasted a whole day, and by the evening, Reese says his attitude toward money had entirely changed. Then there was the fact he would never have the right to choose to make a home. I saw I could never give my life to another person to live to that one alone. Could the Savior have given his life and attention to one person instead of to a whole world? Neither could the Holy Spirit. He took plenty of time to show me exactly what it would mean. The life he would live would be for the world. Was I willing for that? And later in the story, Reese talks about where the Holy Spirit brings to him a precious woman who was to be his wife. And they together were utterly given over to Jesus to serve and to honor, no matter what the price would be, and the price was very high for them. Among other things that the Holy Spirit dealt with in Reese was ambition. How could he have any ambition to make himself something if the Holy Spirit came in? The way the Lord showed it to him was like this. Supposing he had a mission in a town and another mission opened in the same place. If there was jealousy between the two missions, then it would be better for the town only to have one. Then it would be his which would have to go. This issue of submission is so huge. And today, so many Christians are in total rebellion against Jesus. They want nothing to do with submission to a, to a husband. They want no submission to Jesus. They want no submission to a church. They're in charge, and they're equal, and they're filled with pride. And we're reaping the consequence of that. Suppose that he and another man should apply for the same job he'd have to let the other man have it. Or suppose he was earning 12 shillings a day and another man with a family was earning much less. The Spirit could tell him to give his job to that man. He saw the Holy Spirit in ways like that taking the place of another and suffering instead of the other suffering. Was he willing for that? Finally, he said, yes, I'm willing. On the fifth day, his reputation was touched as he was thinking of men in the Bible who were full of the Holy Spirit, and particularly John the Baptist. The Lord said to him, Then I may live through you the kind of life I live through John the Baptist, a Nazarite, clothed in camel's hair, living in the desert. Even in this or what might be its modern equivalent, 
a real decision had to be made. If I live my life in you, and that is the kind of life I choose, you cannot stop me, was the Lord's word on it. As the Savior was despised, you must be willing to be despised also. By Friday night, each point had been faced. He knew exactly what he was offered. The choice between worldly, temporal gain and eternal gain. The Spirit summed up the issue for him like this. On no account will I allow you to cherish a single thought of self and the life I will live in you will only be 100% for others. You will never be able to save yourself any more than the Savior could when he was on the earth. Now, are you willing? And Reese was to give his final answer. The Holy Spirit some time ago came to me. This has been almost 20 years ago. But it was like yesterday. It was audible. And the voice said to me, Are you willing to receive only that which I give you? I quickly said yes. I should have taken time to think about it. Because literally what he was asking is, Are you willing to receive only the money that I choose to give you? And what if that means you have no car? Are you willing to have no automobile? Or are you willing to drive the automobile I will give you? Are you willing to have the house that I will give you to live in, no matter what it looks like? If it's large and beautiful, or if it's small and tight, are you willing to receive only that which I give you? And you will ask no one else for anything for yourself. You will only ask me. And I said, yes. And I want to tell you from that day to this, I've not asked one person for anything for myself. I ask for the ministry. I ask for other people. But I am only allowed to ask Jesus to meet my own personal needs. He has cared for me. He has been very faithful in caring for me. He has carried me through the most difficult circumstances. He has provided many cars for me. And when a car is utterly worn out, like I was driving a 1996 Toyota Corolla, I drove this old car year after year at no expense. It was given. I had very little repair. I drove that car for less than $500 a year. I put many miles on it. it came from the hand of Jesus. 
This is what Reese is facing. Will you give a final answer? Will you let the Holy Spirit come into you? The Holy Spirit said to me, I could give you a date, but I don't have it written down in front of me. He said to me, in the last year, will you let me make of you a new man? Yes, Holy Spirit, make of me that new man. And then come in power and take possession. That's the process I'm in right now. That night a friend said to Reese, if some of us come over after the meeting, will you tell us of your position in Jesus? At once the Spirit of God challenged him. How can you do that? You've seen the position of the overcomer that you may not have, that you have not entered in yet. I've been dealing with you for five days. You must give me your decision by six o'clock tonight and remember your will must go out. The only way Jesus, this is my experience, the only way the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in you is if you utterly give your will to Jesus so that you no longer operate according to what you want. You no longer work where you want to work. You no longer do what you want to do. You now belong utterly, totally, and completely to Jesus. You have surrendered all rights. And now your heart is to be utterly given over to Jesus in every respect. That's where I live that's what I've done. I've made that decision. The Holy Spirit said, where I send you, you will go. What I say to you, you will do. It was the final battle of the will. Do you understand, dear listener to Pilgrim's Progress, do you understand the battle that you are engaged in is a battle of the will. Will you continue to operate your own life the way you choose, or will you utterly, totally, and completely surrender your life to Jesus Christ and ask him to make you into a new man or a new woman, and will you allow the Holy Spirit to totally renovate your life? Our neighbor down the street, we talked with him last night. He's just moved into this house. He said when he when he went into the house, he couldn't go in the front door because there was so much junk in the house. He said when they moved out and they took all their junk away, the kitchen was in shambles. Basically, they had to gut the house. They ordered new cabinets. Those are to come in tomorrow or the next day everything has to be changed it's the same thing with your life and mine the Holy Spirit is not going to come and dwell in your life without first gutting your life moving all of the trash out of your life 
all of the cheap movies, all of the cheap words, all of the cheap actions, the pornography, the fornication, the bitterness, the anger. Do you remember what what was said to Simon? He wanted to buy from Peter the power to lay hands on people with the Holy Spirit. And Peter rebuked him soundly and said, I see that you are filled with bitterness and you're captive to sin. Well, that's a description of every person. That has to be broken by the grace of Jesus. That, That bitterness has to come and be forgiven and removed and there comes then a softness a submission into your life and the bitterness and the anger has to be removed are you willing to let the Holy Spirit remove that from your life it was a battle on the will And so Reese said to the Holy Spirit, I ask him for more time. But he said, you will not have a minute past six o'clock. When I heard that it was exactly, it was as exactly as if a wild beast was roused in me. You gave me free will, I answered, and now you force me to give it up. I don't force you, he replied. But for three years you Have you not been saying that you are not your own and that you wanted to give back your life to the Savior as completely as he gave his for you? I backed down in a second. The way I'd said it was an insult. I'm sorry, I told him. I didn't mean what I said. He said, You are not forced to give up your will. He said again, but at six o'clock I will take your decision, and after that you will never get another chance. Now I want you to hear that. When you finally are clear in your mind and the, the fog has been taken out of your mind, you will come to a place where you know this is it. You're either going to submit and surrender or you're going to continue down the road of your bitterness your anger your self-will and the chains on your life will only grow stronger and you will be walked into incredible hardship and misery until finally you're willing to say Holy Spirit I will surrender have you gone far enough in your life of lukewarm self-willed life where you finally are willing to say Holy Spirit come in and take possession it was my last offer my last chance I saw that throne spoken of in Revelation 3.21 and all of my future for eternity going I said Please forgive me. I want to do it. Once more the question came. Are you willing? It was ten minutes to six. I wanted to do it, but I could not. 
Your mind is keen when you are tested, and in a flash it came to me, how can self be willing to give up self? Five minutes to six. I was afraid of those last five minutes. I could count the ticks of the clock. And then the Spirit spoke again, if you can't be willing, would you like me to help you? Are you willing to be made willing? Take care, the enemy whispered, when a stronger person than yourself is on the other side. To be willing, to be made willing, is just the same as to be willing. As I was thinking upon this point, I looked at the clock. It was one minute to six. I bowed my head, and I said, Lord, I am willing. Are you willing for the Holy Spirit to come in and take over your life? It could mean a change of jobs. It could mean a change of location. It could mean a change of everything going on in your heart and your life. Are you willing for God to take over in your life? Are you willing to give him the fullness of your will and let him choose what he wants for you? Are you willing to stop arguing and fighting for yourself? Are you willing to be only for Jesus? The Holy Spirit does not just suddenly fall and take possession. He comes when he is invited and when we have utterly surrendered our will. When the sin has been repented of, and we have turned aside from the stubbornness of our heart and we're willing to be made willing. And he said, Lord, I am willing. Now, please, I'm not sharing this story with you to say this is how it will happen for you. We all have our personal experience with the Holy Spirit. But it's very plain that the principles involved are the same for every person. It means the giving up of our will to Jesus. And that's not just an imaginary, fanciful idea. It's reality. He writes, Within an hour, the third person of the Godhead had come in, and Reese gave... Reese was given this word in Hebrews 10:19 having therefore boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus and immediately said Reese I was transported into another realm within the sacred veil where the father the savior and the holy spirit live and there I heard God speaking to me and I have lived there ever since when the Holy Spirit enters, he comes in to abide forever to the blood of Jesus. Be the glory. How I adored the grace of God. It is God who goes so far as to give us repentance. It was God who helped me to give up my will. There were some things he'd ask for during the week that I was able to give 
because I was the master of them. But when he asked me to give up myself and my will, I found I could not until he pulled me through. An eyewitness tells us that no words can describe the little meeting in the house that night. The glory of God came down, restarted the chorus, there's power in the blood, and they couldn't stop singing for two hours. Then from 9 p.m. to 2.30 a.m., it was nothing but the Holy Spirit speaking things I'd never dreamed of and exalting Jesus. When he awoke the next morning, he said, I realized that the Holy Spirit had come in to abide forever. The feeling I had was that he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. It is impossible to describe the floods of joy that filled his heart. Alrice was not a person who was given to public speaking. He was naturally quiet and very retiring, shy. But when the Holy Spirit entered him, he, he loosed his tongue and brought his own boldness in. There was a praise meeting that morning in the convention tent with about a thousand people present, including some 200 pastors. The first person Reese saw there was his own pastor, and if anything could have stopped him from speaking, it was the fact of his presence. But during the meeting, Reese stood up and told them clearly and calmly that he was calling them to be witness, that the Holy Spirit, who had entered the apostles on the day of Pentecost, had entered into him and would produce similar results. The effect was so great that during the next week, when crowds had gathered to hear the messages from famous speakers, literally hundreds came to Reese to ask how the Holy Spirit had entered him. It was the first stream of those promised rivers which, as Jesus said, flow out of those in whom the Spirit dwells. I wanted to share that with you again. I want there to be such a great hunger in your heart to be filled with the Holy Spirit because Jesus can't come and live in you. And that's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Jesus wants to come. If you'll read carefully the prayer in John, the seventh chapter, Jesus wants to come and dwell in you. And he wants the Father and he wants the Spirit to come and he wants to dwell in you and he wants you to dwell in him. He wants a oneness with you. And obviously that can't happen physically. It happens with the Holy Spirit. but the Holy Spirit will not come in and share your life with you. If the Holy Spirit is going to come into your life, you are going to have to give up your will. You're going to have to give up saying, I won't do that. I will do this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that. No, you give up everything. You put everything in the hands of Jesus. See, 
as I wrote to a dear brother this morning. Jesus is our healing. He's not just the healer. He is our healing. He is our sanctification. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our Master. He is our faith. He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our long-suffering. Jesus is everything. There is nothing of value that is not Jesus. In him, all of the treasures of wisdom are to be found. He is the creator God. He is the savior God. How can I withhold myself from my Lord? I love him. All that I am, I give to him. I no longer choose to operate by my will or my strength or my power. Now, can I be very straight with you? I've made some tremendous messes in my life, in my ministry, in my time. And I've done that out of my flesh and out of my own hunger and out of my own desire. And I was wrong. And I have had to humble my heart before God and say, Lord, have the victory in my life. And I will no longer reach out my hand and take what I desire. This is not about institutional church. This is not about rules of the church. This is not about the culture of the church. This is about you and Jesus. And as you come into Jesus and you make this commitment with him, he will lead you to a holy group of people where you can grow and mature in him. You are not going to be able to stay in the worldly church with the entertainment and the foolishness and the jokes. You're going to have to find Jesus. You're going to have to search after him. You're going to have to pay whatever price it requires for you to totally surrender your will and your desires, your wants, your hungers, and let Jesus be everything for you. Remember I said a week ago, get close to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is everything your heart is hungry for. I'm hungry for more of Jesus. But the price to eat of that bread and drink of that blood is to give up my own will, to give up my own life, to become utterly and radically transformed into his likeness by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So what's your decision? You've heard the message today. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to go after Jesus? Are you going to go after Jesus? 
You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. If you'd like to be a part of the National Prayer Chapel, I've described what it's about. You already know. Would you call me? And I'll give you directions. Everyone at the National Prayer Chapel has heard this message very clearly in their hearts and they have chosen to give up everything to follow Jesus. Do you want to do that too? You're welcome to come. I'll give you a phone number. Call me at that number and I'll give you directions for how to come. 703 489 1785. That's 703 489 1785. If you'd like to write to me, you're welcome to at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia 22195. You can also contact us or give at our website, nationalprayerchapel.com. Mr. Producer, the song that you opened us with today, would you play that and just close the broadcast out with that song? Thank you. God bless you.
to be 